1: To offer you promotion, Damadoff. In the new state security. You will have a great life if you do as you are told.
0: I had to tell him his son died of a tragic accident. It was a lie. My boy was murdered. The murder is strictly a captain's disease.
2: You're thrifting with treason. The man that killed my son, he's still out there.
3: Welcome everybody to the Next Reels Film Board, a monthly gathering of the Next Reels Gang of Thugs to take on a film in theaters right now. This month we're off to sunny Russia. For a romp through the set of CSI Stalingrad and Daniel Espinoza's Child 44 from writer Richard Price. Uh, before we get into that, please allow me to introduce our most respected thugs in residence. Weathering the icy cold of a Vladimir winter sporting a one-of-a-kind stole of rat fur, Andy Nelson. Perestroika! And the haunting shadow of his former self, malnourished from his diet of wooden nickels and regret, Tommy Handsome back on the board. Russian Things! Russian Things! and still reeling from his last night at the orphanage when all he got for Christmas was lonely, Justin Yeager. <laughs>
1: <Never>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and me, clearly struggling to find anything funny about the setup of tonight's film. I'd be right. Thank you, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us to talk about Child 44. Before we get into the show, you should learn more about us at thenextreel.com slash board. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Reel, and make sure to subscribe to the show for free in iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Gentlemen, the film. I have been refreshing Rotten Tomatoes over the course of this week, leading up to seeing this film, and over that period, its freshness rating has fallen precipitously, landing tonight at 27%. percent
2: on 49
3: (laughs) reviews. I... I am i really genuinely deeply want to know how you feel about this film how it stood up to your grueling line of
1: critique uh starting this evening with mr Jaeger. hello um so uh i actually kind of liked it i was pleasantly surprised by some things and i will uh highlight those because the other things are not not nice at all um uh, I like the story I think it's actually uh, an admirable attempt to do a uh, a parallel intrigue story in this, uh place in time and i don't know how i would go about it so the reason why i start that with that positive is because all of the negatives that i may end up talking about at any time during this podcast i i need to sort of uh, hedge with that i think it 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 was a really tough proposition for what they were trying to do here and i want to give some credit to that And i liked um I liked a couple of the actors, which I didn't think I was going to like either. So, uh, that stuff being said, I think technically the movie is really terrible. Um, there were a lot of things that were extremely distracting and, um, and in general, if I focused on those things, I would be really frustrated. But the fact that the story interested me kept me riding, uh, along the way and actually pleasantly surprised, not, not hating myself as I left the theater.
3: Um, I'm going to say that's not as glowing uh, as we might have heard, but definitely not 27% fresh. It's better than that. So I, I call that a win. Uh, Andy?
0: Well, as I had alluded to in uh, when we talked about the trailer and uh, I don't know, a few other times, I I had read the script for this, or at least I thought I had the read, read the script for this. When I came to actually watch the film, I kept waiting for a certain plot points to happen that never ended up happening. And then I realized that it was completely not the the... Uh, film based on the script that I had read. The plot point was that there was this, and, and I swear it's it's frightening how similar the stories are. But it goes off onto this thing where these children who are getting are getting are disappearing are actually getting um, integrated into this uh, this place where they're taking all these orphaned Russian children and trying to create like super super smart super children out of it to grow up and kind of create the new Russia. And uh, the ones that didn't work, then they would just leave as dead bodies around. And I kept what? waiting for that. Yeah, wow. and, and I kept waiting for that to happen because I enjoyed it so much more than I enjoyed this. This, I just, I, I really had a hard time getting into. Um, I agree it had some things going for it. Um, and I, I just, I, I wish that there was something that gripped me more. And looking at um, some of the reviews for the book, it says, a tightly woven, ingenious pl- ingeniously plotted high-voltage story. The atmosphere of paranoia and paralyzing fear is brilliantly portrayed and unremittingly grim. I I, I, th- I think reading some of the reviews for the book, I just feel like they, uh, Ridley Scott when he decided he was going to uh, get this made, saw something in the book that, that clearly would clearly would make a really interesting story. And I just don't think it was translated well. I, I give them a, an uh well maybe a, a c plus for effort but um i just i really had a hard time um getting into it and i agree completely with jj about technical problems with this left and right
3: okay i think we're building a narrative tommy they got the grim part right <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: i guess i would say um to agree with jj for about <laughs> maybe 20 minutes i liked it in the beginning But then, once Tom Hardy and Nomi replace—is that her name? Nomi. Nomi. Once Tom Hardy and Nomi replace got uh, deported to Gross Town, the film just became progressively more ponderous, tension-free, and unfocused. And I felt it just got stupider and more overstuffed. And I ended up hating it. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, right.
3: Oh, oh snap. Yeah, (laughs) all right. All right. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I thought it was patient. It was a patient story, and that comes with its own problems. I think it was patient for the wrong reasons. I did like the story, but I think I more like the intention of the story than the story itself. I liked the period and the setting. I love Tom Hardy. I love Numi. I love Joel Kinnaman. I regret not seeing more Gary Oldman and Jason Clark, who were woefully underused in this film. But uh, sadly for me, the performances and their presence of these people that I really do like a lot the film cannot stand on that alone it was as I agree with all of you technically weak weird errors like how many times did they break the 180 degree rule? I mean, they just, mm. they swapped camera, they moved that camera around like a, like a fifth grader with an iPhone. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it, was, it was bizarre, <laughs> the, the, the crazy amateur technical things that I picked up on, and I'm not a technician. Uh, the, the biggest challenge for me, though, was the fact that there were two stories going on here, and it felt like the film could never commit to either. And yep. I, I deeply wanted it to commit to one. And at some point, you know, I didn't really even care which. And maybe that's another telling thing. Uh, but, but overall, it was, it was I, I love the intention. The execution, as you, you guys have, have said, was really tough. Uh, and as I texted, it seems like others were just not even, not even getting the vibe of the film. I mean, I was sitting in the, in the theater and, you know, eight minutes to start. Uh, we were all alone in this great on a, on opening weekend saturday afternoon it seemed like a really strange um, haunted theater so very oh, I sad. Think we
2: are the, we are the four people that have seen this that movie. have seen this
3: film, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it
0: didn't even crack, crack the uh, top ten for uh, for its opening Friday. It's uh, it's yeah. way below. I mean, you know, Cinderella and Monkey Kingdom and Get Hard and all these other oh, films that got into and the top ten. And even with
1: this cast, I mean, that's yeah. that's a crazy thing because and and the cast actually ended up being a little bit distracting for me because uh, along with what you said, Peter, I really liked Hardy and I didn't expect to. I thought he was going to fail. I mean, really, there, there's no reason for me to think that. Except except I just thought this was going to be a big stretch or a leap for him. And it wasn't. He was great. He was super likable. And I felt the same way about Kinneman. I didn't like um, Rapace so much. But the other actors, the other great cast people that were in there, are are big enough names so that they were distracting. In other words, I I love Gary Oldman, and I don't think they used him enough, but I don't think he did a great job with what he had either. And I felt that way for everyone. I mean, it, it, in the last, what, Seven minutes of the film, they want to throw us Tywin Lannister and see how he, you know, takes on Russian. That was just yeah. a, a, that a was terrible sad. choice. That was for super me there. sad. <laughs> I, was... Think, I think the film would have been better served by putting in, uh, you know, hungry young actors that wanted to, tr- or young, I mean, more fresh, right? People, faces that we hadn't seen, to try this and to try and to try to get it right. I think it may have come off better for me instead of trying to think how these marginally big names fit into this movie.
2: I agree with that. And I think a big of the problem, a lot of the problem is that it's such a prestige project and that the book was enormous. And Richard Price is one of my favorite writers, Hmm. not necessarily for screenplay, but ever since clockers, the book, not the movie, I love him and all of his, the wire friends and stuff. And I think the screenwriting was a huge problem with this movie, but I think everyone jumped on it because this was Oscar bait.
0: It sure seems like it was. yeah. And Mm. it
3: turned out to be completely, completely the opposite. That is a real shame. Andy, where do you where do you stand on the the casting and the uh, accents and the the, uh, stunt casting of this film?
0: I completely agree. I, I had such a hard time with uh with so much of the cast, uh, you know, from Jason Clark. Uh, you know, I mean, like, like JJ said, it's just, it's so distracting seeing these people in here. And then I kept thinking back, it's like, okay, well, what was Jason Clark's how did he figure into this again, and like why was he why was he somebody we were focusing on? like I really just couldn't even remember what that element of the story was, other than just to show us how awful it was to live in Russia in this particular time and then I knew I was waiting for Charles Dance to show up because he's in the credits at the beginning, so I'm like, okay, well, we still haven't seen him, so where is he going, or did I miss him? What happened? And it was just, it was really distracting. And the accents, I, I had a really hard time with the accents. You know, <laughs> I i understand it's Russia, but everybody has these, like, half-Russian accents that sometimes work and sometimes didn't. And I, I, I actually found it hard to, uh, to listen to sometimes. Like, I... I just trying to latch onto what they're actually saying It's just like it's just a little. Did,
3: did anybody get it right for you? Did anybody come off as completely believable? Well, throughout? Well, I
0: don't hang out with enough Russians to to really know what an oh Andy, Russian you got is. to. The <laughs> <best>. <laughs> they are the best. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I I mean, I thought actually Tom Hardy did. Uh, he seemed to do uh, pretty well. He seemed to kind of stay in character pretty well. At um,
1: some point, didn't it feel like he was the only one that was trying? Yeah. Because that's how it felt like to me. I mean, yeah.
2: Yeah. uh, So maybe I'm the only one that thought I had something to say about Tom Hardy's accent. The problem with him for me, it wasn't the accent, it was that he was, it seemed like he was speaking broken English in a Russian accent at times. And that doesn't make any sense because Russians know how to speak Russian fluently. They're from Russia. (laughs) But he would say things like, he would say, like, oh, like from surgeon? No one in their native tongue says, like from surgeon. They say, like <laughs> from a surgeon. Like, as the movie goes along, I think he it sounds like he's one step away from starting every sentence with with, uh, how you say?
1: And that doesn't make any sense because it's their native language. And that's the language problem with all these things. I read uh, some IMDB quotes about this, you know, the debate about the accents here, and they brought up Valkyrie and the switch that they make in Valkyrie to switch from German to English in that, and that they thought, yep. oh, this is much better. But the problem with it is if 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 someone's going to attempt it, if Tom is going to, uh, Tom Hardy is going to try to attempt it, oh. they actually have to do the broken english part of the translation because when you when a russian is speaking in english words with a russian accent there's literally words in english that don't exist in russian so to actually get the accent right you have to el- i mean it's just the weird thing that's, of that when but that's you do it stupid like who I'm, is that
2: for <laughs> yeah and then they should <laughs> just give it up. You, i'm really yeah. i'm really proud of you knowing that like i think that's fascinating but that's also like
3: who are you being so honest for? He just totally. sounds
2: like a, an idiot sometimes. But see, yeah. I
3: wonder about yeah. that because you know what, Tom? I mean, I I, 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 maybe I'm the only one among us. We we do hang out with Russians, and and uh, because you know, my, Ugh, my wife's my role best friend and, is a Russian, and there, you know, we we've got a, a large community of Russians here in in uh, you know in Portland, and and so we've we've we, you know I hang with Russians, and <laughs> and I'm telling you, I I think Tom Hardy's performance was actually pretty darn good, and and uh, found it but really is legal even people who are speaking english n- no be, because, because they spe- hearing... speak the same way they, it is the what he got is what jj's describing it's like even people who speak fluent english they slip they slip they don't include words naturally because it you know when they're it, it just it just sounded pretty natural to me i didn't run into any of those uh any of those issues and i thought numi actually did a a nice job uh, as well i found her to be you know, to sound fairly, if not completely naturally, Russian. She she sounded consistent throughout the film. Uh, there were others that I thought were were really tough. To, I think actually one of the soldiers might have been Irish. Um, <laughs> there were there were things that just didn't didn't work in isolated places. But those two parts I thought were were pretty darn good. Yep. And I uh, wonder. I guess cool. to that point, Tommy. I mean, I really wonder if you if you were to hear someone speaking with a thick Russian accent but getting it all right in English. If that wouldn't cause you to notice something equally off, that—that's my only point.
1: Then that's 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 where the conundrum exists because if you're trying to speak in a Russian accent, you have to make the failures that Russian native Russian speakers speak when right. they speak English. Otherwise, it's just false. So, but when it, they speak English, so why? So, but to go to Pete's right.
2: point of. I mean, because I understand, Pete, what you're saying, but everything and what we're talking about is based in them speaking English, not their native tongue. That's when you drop words. That's when you drop those little words that are called, I don't know what, articles, whatever. Who cares? (laughs) Am I right? I I like that I'm messing up English while I'm yelling (laughs) about this. But the point being that if you were to, if you were Russian and you heard a Russian speak, would they literally sound like that? Would they sound so brokeny? i I'm searching for this word, or losing a whole part, not whole parts, but just like little parts of sentences? I don't
3: think that is a fair argument, because this, this movie isn't for Russians speaking Russian. Right. This movie is for Russians pretending to be Russian, or people pretending to be Russian speaking to right. English people based on their perception of what Russian sounds like.
1: It's tough. Yeah. It's tough because it brings in, I mean, even the fact that we're having the discussion makes it kind of distracting in the film, right?
2: Yes yeah now that that makes sense, uh what all you guys are saying that we need that, and maybe i'm uh, speaking too much for you guys, but like that we need that uh disagreement, that verbal sort of disagreement in order to make this work, and I'm just surprised because I mean Pete, you brought up the idea of if you had which is fascinating, and i I haven't been able to think it through yet, is if they just talked perfectly in these Russian accents and talked perfectly. I would assume
3: that I would have been fine with it. Why wouldn't I? Well, that's uh, that is, I think the the question. Yeah, I, I think if you if you if you have any experience with a native Russian speaking their version of fluent English, and they haven't really concentrated on that level of perfection in conversational English, they will drop the words. That's just that's that's you know my my experience is pretty limited. You know. So, uh, so it's okay. So, what you're saying is that it's made for
2: American or English speakers that are that hear Russian people talk. Okay.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah. I, and there's it's a certain exception. Accepted... That is a weird,
2: complicated choice. It is. Oh, but it, but that makes sense if you're saying that that's sort of shorthand.
3: Yes, for that's how what, we're going to okay saying. with like, that. Like that's the choice. You either make that choice and say we're going to try and make this as, as as sort of legitimately appropriate for the ear of our audience, or we're going to go, you know, completely fluent. In which case, you know, we should probably just do it subtitled. Got um, it.
2: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. This podcast is about dialect, right? <laughs> it is the <laughs>
3: dialect. We spoiled dialect. Yeah. <laughs> it Sorry, is I'm tricky good- though.
0: It is tricky, though. I mean, thinking about, like, this is something that filmmakers have to figure out at the beginning of any project when they're getting started, when it deals with a different language. How are we going to tackle that? Are we going to have them just speak in their their native dialect, whatever it happens to be, English or... or you know from or welch or whatever it is or are we going to pr- make them all speak with a russian accent or are we going to do it or all do british the whole accents thing, or all british accents right because that's you know americans like to do that you know we'll, we'll have them yeah. all speak with a british accent because it's it's european it sounds sounds like right. they could be from there or do it all in russian and then subtitle it it's it's something that uh, filmmakers are always dealing with in these films that it's uh it's just one of those interesting things to see how, how different filmmakers deal with it and how it ends up working.
3: Well, and I think that's a, the, the only other sort of option. I think if they actually done it in Russian with subtitles, it would have been, I mean, it's already been torpedoed in the box office. It would have been damn near impenetrable uh, had yeah. they actually done it subtitled. Then it's a, well, and,
0: you know, and considering that uh, Russia uh, banned the film, that it wouldn't have helped it wouldn't have their helped. case any if they
3: had it all in Russian. <laughs> Uh, but but the bigger the other question is, I mean, why accents at all? I mean, do you feel like the accents? Clearly, we had some problems with the accents. But why? You know, is there a room to just say, you know, what we're just going to do this, and it's going to be completely straight up? You know, Tom Cruise American English.
1: I think I think it's because the cast is international. So because they have so many differing accents, they had to settle on one to get somewhat in a middle range. Yeah, because otherwise you'd be ending up with, like oh. you said, the, the kind of you had the faint. Hint that one of the soldiers was Irish. Well, think of all the different origins of all the actors. I think they needed to say you're going to try to do something, or else they'd all sound so vastly different that it would just be a mess. Huh?
2: Smart. I don't like the new guy.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> a little too smart for my taste. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's
3: let's let's do our best to dive in just a little bit to what this movie was actually about, if we can if we can figure it out. And and here's the premise: the film was pitched as a murder mystery, a series of nasty child murders, 44 of them. Uh, it's, it's in the title. <laughs> and that we have this sort of uh, investigation. The trailer is very clear. It's an investigation into these child murders. Is that what the film ended up being about for you? Maybe about a third of the time. I felt like weird. Ugh, I don't know how to express this. Like,
2: I felt like, the because the, I already said that the film was unfocused. I felt that the film was unfocused and overstuffed. That I felt like completely wrongly, because it was really the part that I was the most interested in, that the film every once in a while was like, oh, right, the child murders. We've got to go back to that, even though that is the driving point I felt for the movie, because it deals with so many other issues
3: that uh, that's why it felt so unfocused to me. Is that the story uh, that you ended up wanting to see, Andy? What do you think?
0: Um. Yeah, I, I I think I would have rather have just settled on the child murder story. I mean, you know, again, going back to the book, reading about it, it it deals with all this Soviet era uh, problems that they were dealing with, where it, the the state kind of is running things, and they're you know the just the paranoia. They also, according to the uh, Wikipedia, the book also deals with the education system the secret police apparatus, the orphanages, homosexuality in the USSR, mental hospitals. It deals with, like, there's so many things that it's dealing with. And I feel like they were trying, like the writers and and uh, the director, they were trying to capture a lot of that to kind of help us get a sense of this world where the story was taking place, which is an interesting world. But when it, you're focusing the whole thing on just this, this child, um, you know, murder case it just feels like um it, all that other stuff is just it's confusing the issue i think i would have been happy either way if it focused solely on the child uh, the child murders or if it focused more on just, you know, this horrible life in Russia at the time. But having it all mixed together, I just don't feel like they were able to find focus.
3: I I think that's a—yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, this is one of of your uh, sort of pet platforms, Andy, I think, is the struggle of adaptation, Uh, you know, what it takes to to take a book and turn it into a movie in a really smart way. In this one, man, to your point, they gave the mental health apparatus literally one line— uh, in the film, the homosexual uh, uh, challenges in Stalin's Russia, they gave what, a, a, a I don't know, a, a couple scene. of lines, yeah, a scene, a, a, maybe, yeah. but it was completely tossed aside. Um, you know, just I, used for propulsion of the child. Uh, right. Exactly. But 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 in a way that seemed like too distracting, yeah. really bizarre kind of a way it was it was really distracting. It's like, you know, we're going to shoot up a flare on all of these issues that are otherwise significant that you're going to think your gut is going to tell you, holy crap, they're t- making this about the homosexual issue in, in Russia and the fact that homosexuals are persecuted. Oh, my God, they're making this about the mental health. We have to care about all those things. And then they don't follow through on any of them. Uh, And and it ends up making you I I think at least it ends up making me Sort of distracted from the story as a whole I actually liked as I said in the beginning I liked both of these stories I think they're two movies Yep. One is an, is an escape from Stalin's Russia. Wouldn't it be great to see, um, you know, to see Tom Hardy's character come to his transition, his transformation, his, his growth is, oh, my goodness, look what I've been doing, and this is not who I want to be. I'm taking my wife. We're going to rebuild our marriage. We're going to move and adopt these kids, and it's going to be a whole thing, and we don't need the child murder at all. I'd watch that movie. I'd also watch the child murder movie. I'd watch that whole thing.
1: Right. I, I think that that, uh, you touched on it a little bit, Pete, when you talked about, um, and with Andy's idea about adaptation and the, and the difficulty that it presents here as m- movie as the medium versus book. Because if we look at it in the, in, from a different lens and think about it from a story writer's perspective, it's historical fiction, right? So everything that has to do with all those little tidbits, um, the, the political, Intrigue, the the mental health, the homosexuality, all the things that they gave a little bit of, just a tiny moment for in the film, were actually more about setting. This is this is my contrarian point of view of why I actually like the story, because I I actually really thought that was special to me going in, and I think that's what Ridley Scott thought, right? Because he found this piece of historical fiction in book form and had this period in mind, and then there's this story that's woven through. So all that you mentioned the two films. The the escape from Stalin, Russia, that is a film on its own, but that's simple in, in, in the first way of thinking about it. And then the child movie, the murder movie is simple as well. I think the challenge that maybe excited Ridley Scott and the thing that I think is great about this is that they try to show you both and that everything that has to do with Political intrigue is about setting, the setting for the historical fiction, and the child murder mystery movie is the fiction. So the way that I'm evaluating it, or the reason why I love it, is because uh, there was a lot to be put in for setting, and that makes the other story, the fiction story that's in there, interesting. And that's kind of why I liked it. I agree that it isn't executed well. I agree that at at, at some point you get kind of lost in where you're supposed to care. It seems like the filmmakers got lost, too, and they put more importance on one and the other and switch that back and forth, and, and that's difficult. But I think that speaks to the challenge of what they were trying to accomplish here, and, and I thought it was admirable. I, I liked both stories, and I was interested in both of them. Both of them enough. You're interested in both of them enough to make uh, you know a, a solid premise on its own. Mm, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can say that much to it. But I, I think those say two it. stories. Say it. <laughs> the <laughs> idea of this period in time in history with this fictional story in it. I hadn't seen that before. And I think that 's special, and I think that 's probably why they they thought this would be a great movie to make um, and I, I I guess I sat in admiration of that and and I liked learning about both stories again. I think the execution is where it failed yeah
3: I, you know I think you just described why you know we did this as a, a trailer pick on the on the show. Couple of months ago, and and it, that I think was almost to the letter why I said I was interested in seeing this film. I think it was, I, I think the period and the the sort of the cultural conflict, this that these these multiple sort of competing ideologies that all come to a head in this period in time, post World War II, uh, you know, Stalin's Russia reintegration. I mean, it's just a crazy period in in history, and I think that's a really interesting setting. Uh, but uh, again, I, I and I don't think that the the escape the sort of transformation story is that simple. And I think that's a problem because, you know, in this case it was played off as pretty simple. It got super muddy right in the middle when they get arrested and we have to figure out kind of what, you know, what is going on. There, there was a whole twist where I thought at one point that maybe he was intentionally sent to this, uh, he was captured and sent away from Moscow and sent to this other thing. And the first thing, this other city, and the first thing he discovers as now a demoted uh, infantryman uh, is another child murder. I thought, this can't be a coincidence. That's it's way too easy. Well, yeah. It's insanely convenient. It's insanely convenient.
1: But Nesterov thought that too. So you were just writing yeah. the story with that. I mean, honestly, that that was what Gary Oldman was saying to him. But see, so, it,
3: it nev- that never paid off. It never yeah. That was never resolved. So... Insanely convenient for us and the two actors, but clearly not for the writer or director. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: agree with J.J. that it's a fascinating world. But as as he was saying, uh, it's all in the exhibit. I admire the story, and I bet the book is great. The film let me down across the board. I mean, from, from writing and beyond
0: it it boils down to the world building. I mean, yes, world building is great. It's great to put all this in there and really kind of create this sense of this place where the story is taking place, but to have us focusing and jumping from things, I think it really ends up becoming distracting. And I think uh, you know, I think a lot of it falls on uh, from my perspective on Richard Price's adaptation of the book, and then Daniel Espinosa's terrible directing.
3: Okay, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's go into that because all of us have said there were technical issues that really that bothered us enough to make note of them in this film. Andy, talk about terrible directing first.
0: I I just felt that he he didn't have a good handle on the story and the and really the thread that he was trying. I mean, he knew that the child murder was kind of the thread that he was following, but I just felt like he he wasn't sure how to. Give the right amount of emphasis to certain things, like some of these other issues that we were that we were just discussing. I felt they were overemphasized, and the child murder. Like by the time that we were leading to the resolution of that, and we've got the confrontation in the woods, I just I almost didn't care anymore because it just seemed like uh, so uh, we got to it. So uh, we got to that ending. So uh, I don't want to say haphazardly, but it, it just it seemed just a little. Uh, accidental, and and here we are, and and we're in the forest, and and here he is. Hey, conveniently, he stopped, and and we just we're running, and here he stopped his car. We run up the hill, and there he is, and he's got a kid, and
2: yeah, and he that had was a it. Car, they were on foot,
0: yeah, <laughs> and I'm like they,
2: he, <laughs> none of it he, makes any sense. <laughs>
0: he he didn't he either didn't drive very far. Like he went just around the corner and stopped and dragged the kid out, or or they just you know I mean it's snowy. I guess they followed his tire tracks. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I just felt like it all just kind of got. Uh, put together very, very uh, messily. And I just felt like it wasn't organized. And I also just didn't like the way that Daniel had his DP shoot it, especially the action scenes where I've talked about, you know, being a fan of shaky cam before, but this was possibly the worst shaky cam that I've ever seen. And I just, I mean, I couldn't follow what was going on. It made me sick.
2: I liked that the train, the train action scene was incomprehensible. Couldn't tell what was really oh, yeah. going yeah. on and Why then do you the director you was like now? and then the director was like okay for the last one
3: let's also cover everyone in mud <laughs> no. as if that was going to help like ridiculous you know it, it was so it was so ridiculous it made me actually think I, clearly they have swapped out all of the actors with their stunt doubles because that's oh, the funny. only reason you would make this a mud fight of that extreme it was no. ridiculous yeah that makes sense it was just ridiculous I that I absolutely agree on that one, that stunts so, were
1: terrible. So those are the obvious shaky cam problems. But how about the scene, the, the near near to the final scene of the movie, where uh, where Hardy and uh, well, I should say uh, Demidoff and Rice are walking up to their new daughters that they're adopting, and they decide to go shaky cam over their back of their shoulders as they're <laughs> approaching these girls, <laughs> what, and it and it's never still. Like, what is the purpose? Why? There's no nervous, reason why you would JJ. do that. Oh it's so terrible. That and then the perspective. <laughs> I mean how they set this up so as you're leading up to the forest, right? He's shooting uh, Demidov and Raisa from the forest so we're the audience yeah. looking it, at them in the forest that makes there's no yeah. logic there well as if he was
0: spying on them I, it, yeah. that confused me horribly oh uh-huh.
1: I was so confused by it and, the, the, and then there were these um the, it, when they first get to Rostov and they get to the um the tractor factory there's these there's literally three times that they that they zoom the camera and every time it's a, it's a manual zoom and the camera moves as they're zooming like one of the times was when the the guy that he got all the information from, the 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 head, the manager at the at the tractor factory, is up on the stairs, and they start with a wide shot, and they push to it, and the camera moves the entire time they're pushing. There's no reason to do that. I mean, you can just do it mechanically. There's no re. I, uh, I was, it was so sloppy and slow, co- so oh, clumsy. I even from understanding
2: what you're, can you explain a teeny bit more what you're saying? Yeah.
1: So. Anytime they can well, and and I'll make a generalized statement that Andy kind of touched on earlier. Anytime the camera was moving in this movie, it was pretty much bad. Uh, if if they set the camera up to move, it was I mean it's it's like they had no sense of keeping it still. Um, they the you could take it from a blocking perspective. They did the last mark before they edited out of something. They they had doors shut on the camera they had some of the aerial shots they let as they're following the train the train would go out of the screen and you had no focus you're back on the the forest there are all these real major problems from a camera perspective and then also from editing so if you talk about these zooms it, it, they it, when they got to raw stuff there's three times where you have demidov's perspective he's sneaking so their idea i think was that they were going to put him looking at a far distance away and then focusing on something right so they started right. with a wide when shot he's
2: trying to find the bad guy
1: trying to find the bad guy so they see yeah. well and and even more so than the bad guy he's trying to get information so he sees the manager up on the stairs going in or out of his office and they start with a wide shot and then they push up to him but As they start the push, you see the camera jiggle and it never really sent. I mean, just little things like that. Like, do it again or do something smart. I see what you're saying. I think,
2: and I have a a guess for that. I think that that is, and I have no standing on this at all. I think that what that is is a bastardization of what has become a short fix for naturalization. But that's shaky. That's a shaky problem. Right? A you are a you are there feeling in a weird way. It's kind of like you know, just look at it like in the office, right? Of the cameras move all the time, and especially in a gritty film like this, that's a dumb way of trying to make it seem less. Uh, you know, Dolly's less crane, that it's more gritty and more real. You are there, well, it really
3: is, there. and it's all over films, you know, like Chronicle it's, it's and, and Cloverfield. It's all over found footage films.
2: This isn't a found footage film, exactly. it just looks dumb, but it's also all over narrative films. It's it has become why I brought up The Office is because it is found all over the place a lot of times. I'm not saying it's good. But I'm saying that that is a dumb shorthand to try to make things seem more real. I think probably borrowing from found footage, even when they know it's not. It's very different from things like The Office because that was always supposed to be a from a filmmaker's standpoint. That you're very conscious of the camera. Same with found footage. But the same difference is even in TV shows. Uh, I've seen it tons in... Um, What's the latest TV show that I watched? Uh, House of Cards has it. Uh, what's the one where they're – oh, Togetherness, HBO has it. A lot of narrative, and maybe, I'm, maybe it's more in TV, which is becoming more and more like film than I know, is when there's n- possibly no, no possible camera in shot. That is becoming the new norm.
1: But, okay, so I, I get that. I guess the part that I, that I see the disconnect with this film is that it seems like the things that you're mentioning are third-person perspectives, right? So, and in The Office in particular, it's documentarian, so you, the audience is aware of the camera. In House of Cards, you're never necessarily looking from a character's perspective. They would do that sort of naturalistic thing as the you're the third-person omniscient being in the room that can see these things. The thing where it doesn't work here is that, yes, it's natural to see what the character is doing when he's searching for this guy, but the Zoom is not. We don't Zoom as people. So as soon as you institute the Zoom, if you're going to do it, get rid of the shake. Because that is, I mean, it's terribly distracting. And I mean, that, that's where I have a problem with it. That's a camera. And there wasn't a camera in Stalin Russia, Stalinist Russia.
2: And that makes a lot of sense, except for the fact that I think a lot of that stuff still, and I'm sorry to belabor the point if you guys saw the latest Star Wars trailer. Oh, there's a... Yeah, Star Wars trailer. There, it's Rather extravagant. It is filled with shaky cams and snap zoom. That is J.J. Abrams' way, just like Battlestar Galactica way before him. Uh, Not way before him, but in space movies. Battlestar Galactica always had shaky cam and always had snap zooms. That's becoming the new norm.
1: I and would I think bet that's that if J.J. Sort of Abrams made Child 44, that we would like it better.
2: Well, and the thing is, all,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? We, we certainly would. Let's,
2: let's talk to Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The thing about it is that Oliver Wood shot this, and we've talked about him on the show, Pete. He did all the Bourne movies. Yes, and yeah. I think this the shaky cam in in Bourne Supremacy and Bourne Ultimatum is vastly superior to the, what he did here. And I think it just falls to the director not work, not knowing how to work with the DP and shoot a film in a way that makes sense.
3: That's I, that is, I think, exactly the point. That in in the examples you just mentioned, his his previous films, you never really lose your sense of place in the in space right whether right. it's in an apartment getting thrown out the window whether it's wherever it is even on on a train on a moving object you never lose your sense of place and i found myself losing place all over this film
1: yep yeah. the director's yeah. choices set up the dp to make distracting camera moves I, I completely agree with that
3: now he just came off of safe house what do you guys remember of safe house this Other is uh espinosa that's all anybody I see safe house was don't it... know it no okay well Denzel Washington. it was denzel yeah, yeah. denzel and ryan reynolds uh, Nothing.
2: Wait. Oh, was- Safe House. I loved it. No, I didn't see it. I, don't, I just knew that Denzel Washington was in it.
3: All right. Well, this was a good part of the talk. I think I'm going <laughs> to bookmark this because I think people are going to want to zip right into it uh to this particular segment. Well do uh, you
1: know what happens to people who do not phrase their veiled threats in okay. the form of a question?
3: I do not know what happens with question.
1: <laughs> they did that like four or five times in the movie too. <laughs> where like every time they wanted to threaten someone it started with a question. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you know
3: I will
2: shoot you? Oh, shoot! I really, I, I really spelled it out.
3: <laughs> All right, let's go back to Richard Price a little bit. I know we've already mentioned Richard Price and uh, you know love of his uh, some of his books, but uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, structure of the screenplay. Um, Andy, you want to tip off on this one?
0: I, I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've kind of said it before. Is just you know, I just don't think that uh, he found the right way to structure the script where he balanced it well enough, uh, between the, the crux of the story, which was this, you know, trying to figure out the child murders and everything else going on. I, I never really s- felt settled in the story. And, uh, you know, I, I think that between Richard and, and the producers and Daniel, I think that that's the problem. Um, you know, I I think that the story it does have interesting elements in it, and I just I just wish that they could have found a way to build them better. I mean, to me this felt like and again, I haven't read the book, but based on the material that I saw, it feel it felt like something that should have been like, you know, Like a three-hour movie, maybe. One of those just big epic sorts of films. Yeah, it it really felt like there was a lot of stuff going on here that they could have put in to really flesh this thing out and give us the information that they were trying to without cramming it in and then cutting things that just felt like uh, we probably needed or leaving things in that we didn't need.
1: It's the wire in Volsk yeah
3: <laughs> you know I think that 's a really good point i think we we just talked about Daredevil and what 's so interesting about Daredevil, the way they 're bleeding out information through the through each you know episode of this thirteen episode series it It sort of feels like that treatment would have would have been uh better for this property like to be able to really invest in these characters in what 's going on in their marriage in their you know in the their struggle with and for children in like there 's just a lot in here that I think uh, you know I could really enjoy um but it absolutely it, it just did not uh,
1: and that's that way. that's the heart of where this movie fails right because it's 137 minutes and if you wanted to focus on one of the stories you could have probably cut 22 minutes of it and made it a tighter film but they had this allegiance to you know probably the themes that were in the book and they didn't know whether it needed to be a 3 hour film a TV series or you know just something simple and wrapped up and it does feel like
0: one of those films where they probably, as they were going along, were starting to feel like there were problems. And I, it felt like people were coming back into it. Some of the producers, or maybe it was Lionsgate, coming in saying, you know what? It's not feeling like it's going in the right direction. Let's, let's focus more on this, or let's focus less on this. And it felt like a lot, of, a lot of fingers started getting into it and kind of changing things up.
2: But even with that as a possibility, which I think makes a lot of sense, I mean, Moscow, can we talk about after they get deported to Sootville or whatever it's called? What's it called again?
3: <laughs> Volsk.
2: Sootville. Volsk. Volsk. Uh, Volsk, that's the that's Gross Town. Okay. Literally Volsk. The whole the whole part Blart. where they go back to <laughs> It's the Blart town. <laughs> the whole part where they go back to Moscow. I mean, that's a huge amount of time in the movie. And then when it's all over, the first thing that Andy Nelson says, Andy Nelson, what an idiot. Tom Hardy says. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with it? No, I'm just I'm looking at the screen, and that's I have to say the last thing that I've read. The last thing that Tom also and also, Andy, you look like Tom Hardy to me. Um, uh, The last thing he says is Moscow, the first thing he says is Moscow was a complete wash. And that's true of the film. Like Moscow, not of the whole film, but of that entire thing literally nothing really important changes
1: you didn't like the set set piece uh, in the teachers uh, apartment with the phone and the Finding him out to be a spy,
2: not because it didn't go anywhere, and it was just another overstuffed part.
1: Because what didn't
3: it answer for us? You we... know what it didn't answer? It didn't answer whether she was really a spy, and that's the thing that we needed answered in that second section. Right? right? We and needed to know to do... what happened with her. with her.
2: It had nothing to do with her. It had nothing to do with the child murders. It was just. It was literally. I felt it was a complete wash, and I couldn't. And I was wondering if Richard Price was apologizing. Because I think
1: it answered some of those questions. Really. Yeah, I think it answered I think it said she wasn't a spy. I think it said that she was having an affair with that guy. That's why she trusted yeah. him. And that oh my gosh, uh that um th- they couldn't trust anyone anymore, right? So that that's they went to but Moscow. they knew that
2: they couldn't oh, tr- uh, okay. They went to know. Moscow
1: to meet the the to meet the um the witness. That was a waste. And so then that they had to nowhere, get right. out right that was the right. real reason they went to moscow and then they had to get out and then the other the thing that we're not really talking about which they actually set at the beginning of the movie was the relationship between demidov and raisa so they set that to be part of the storytelling throughout and their trust level and the mgb and all of that stuff so i actually really liked that set piece that's why i bring it up and i think that that told me a lot and gave me a reason to trust her when i never trusted her before that yeah. And so that because- was
2: and it was worth all of that to go to Moscow and back with all of the train sequences there wasn't i i i i don't i sound argumentative I don't mean to, but just that the amount of time all of that sequence took, if you had taken it out, nothing changes in the movie, and if it's about learning about their more about their relationship and stuff. There's got to be a zillion faster, better ways to do that.
1: That's probably true. I, for me, it goes back to that heart of the historical fiction: the you can't trust anybody. That's the setting, and that's and that's what I try to say about anything that happened in Moscow, anything that happened. It, and that goes more to our point of the fact that they didn't know what they needed to put important levels on. So what you're saying, Tommy, so makes they made sense. everything important. Right. So they kind of made yeah. everything important, and I I like that set piece. That in you know, in general, the setting, the historical fiction nature of being in Stalinist Russia. I liked about this movie. So I liked those pieces. I wasn't so much with the child murders side. So that part I actually liked, but I understand what you're saying. If they want to have more focus, get rid of it.
3: That's interesting because you know they could have they they actually could have resolved that if it was just the affair question, right? If that was the if that's the open question they needed to resolve. They could have done that much earlier in the film, though when they first sort of hung a flag on the fact that this guy existed as they're walking down the street when Tom Hardy was spying yeah. on them. Um but but they didn't, and and clearly there was a reason. And I hear what you're saying, JJ. And I don't, I don't think I, uh, I I certainly hadn't thought of it like that. I I'm still not sure that they executed that the answers to those specific questions well enough. And mostly I think because I wanted her to be a spy a little bit more than than maybe I I was willing to admit. I wanted that. I wanted that level of complication to be a part of it because I think that makes their relationship much more interesting. If now he has to resolve himself, uh, absolve himself from the atrocities that he has committed and he has to come back and rationalize the fact that she was actually working against the state, which he, you know, fostered so much, you know, love for. Um, And so when that didn't happen, I sort of I, I think I blanked. Uh, on the rest i think that would have made a more interesting story for me um but you're right i do enjoy that and 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 that that murder and and let's be clear there's old movies about child murders and really you know nobody really talks about the multiple people that tom hardy kills throughout this film uh and so like where's the where's the investigation on that (laughs) um i in any case i i think that um um you know i i think the set piece was was you know Probably useful, but long, maybe if it didn't take a train to get everywhere, yeah, there are trains everywhere, are so no helicopters trains. or even a tank,
1: <laughs> right? so needs to count how many times they sound the whistle for the train, yes. in the movie, they do it when it's off screen, they do it whenever it's approaching, it's like I think they're up around the seventy six no, yeah. Not.
3: This
2: is a trade. That's what they're saying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> any other, uh, any other highlights? Or I, I feel like I should cha- throw a challenge question and 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 ask you to go around and give me one thing about this film that you absolutely adore.
1: Is that sarcastic?
3: No, I want you to do it. Give me one thing you absolutely no, J- adore. JJ has things that you haven't cap. said already.
1: Oh, uh, JJ, you go first. Adore the things that I. Okay. Oh, I, I actually have a good one for this. So, and it's going to be a moment in the film um, that I think Tom Hardy did extremely well. And that was when he confronts the two girls in the room in, in the orphanage at the end. And he, they do, they cut back and forth to him, the girls, and Nomi Rapace a few times. But they go back and forth to Tom Hardy. And he, without words, in most of the cuts, goes through a sort of emotional moment where he's trying to atone for his all of the confusion and all of the sins that have come with him through the film. And I think he does it really well. And when Raisa, Nomi Rapace, is trying to console the girls in a maternal way, he butts in in his his thing in a very forceful and says, I can't bring your parents back. And I was with him on that emotional journey. And again, I... I don't dislike Tom Hardy. I just didn't think he was going to be able to bring it to this movie. And it, he did. I was, I actually got choked up in that scene. I was with him on that. And I liked the fact that he butted in and I thought it was special. And I, but I believed him. And that was, that was something I adored until then they brought in the shaky cam to follow them out of the room. I really like that. You said that because that pivots on mine really well. What would you want to say, Tom?
2: Oh, I was just saying, do you think like after, did you guys stay for after the credits? No. <laughs> no. Oh, cuz after the credits there's a scene of all of them around the fire and the little girls look up at Tom Hardy and say, "Tell us again about when our parents were killed." <laughs> and it's very sweet.
1: <laughs> That's what you adored.
2: I yeah. That was a
0: pain. That was painful. That scene was really painful for me. I just I couldn't even fathom that after all of that happened that he would even try to adopt those two kids uh, that i don't know that whole thing rang so false for me i really had a hard time getting through it yeah i had such a hard time it just it even with like, his
1: history the way he grew up as an no orphan w- no and, okay right? with
0: his with his history I, I i guess i can understand him doing it i just from the girl's perspective would would never ever go with him never even I,
1: it with the russian orphanage like the lore of how bad russian orphanages are
0: you know i don't know i had such a hard time that they're like sure we'll go with you it's just like it just rang so falls to me it's like sure you 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 you're, you're, you're there. you were instrumental in our parents getting killed but we're but take us and be our new daddy
3: but you know what, Andy, and this is why—and I'll just jump in because I think this is my—the thing that I adore is actually the uh, the uh, setup for that particular punchline, which was the, the actual assassination of their parents uh, on the field. Because I really thought that Tom Hardy's reaction during that sequence was, um, I thought, really good and really genuinely conflicted. And uh, when he goes into the house and sits down next to them as they are, you know, terrified and in tears and just sort of, you know, stone cold— and he starts packing their little dolls in their little tiny suitcases. I thought that was really touching. And and um, as horrific an environment as that you know they had created, that was the start of his sort of move down this path of questioning his own journey and his own sort of legacy. And he was like the
2: best of the worst, right? And I I, I really beginning. liked it. It was
3: it was a really rewarding sequence when he punches Vesely in the in the face, you know, and it, as as he stops him from, you know doing that you know it doesn't actually stop him but I I just thought that was the thing I adored I thought that was a, a really well executed sequence
1: with this conversation we go back to your first question Pete and the thing of what is this movie about and for me based on what we're talking about here it's kind of changing in my mind and in a positive way is that you know I'm reading about all this political everybody's saying it's propaganda and all these things but potentially the 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 story here for me is about that even in the worst one of the worst times in Russian history there were people that were part of the bad parts of Russia that cared as well. And then there were those that did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In addition. So you think about those two stories that we have. We have the the setting, we have the and then we have the child murders. Both of those are set to explain that story for us. They just didn't do it very well. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting perspective. It's a story of these brothers.
3: It's a brother's story on this different going down these different paths. The children of Stalin's
1: Russia, I don't know. That's that's what the story is to me now. Yeah, that's interesting. Well,
0: and that's why the book was probably so received so well.
1: Right, right. Andy, what would you adore?
0: This is hard because I, I don't adore a lot in this film. But I would, I'll have to say, the thing that I, I ended up kind of liking was the um, the setup and payoff of the the conversation that uh, that uh, Demidov and Raisa have with all their friends at the beginning, talking about how they met and then the payoff later when she's talking about um how she really felt when she uh, uh when she oh, ended up yeah. with him and that she was going to have to marry him i ended up liking that quite a bit and and the fear and that she kind of went through of having to you know having to marry him and she knew that it was you know she had no choice kind of thing i, I really ended up kind of i liked that uh compare and contrast to uh to seeing how romantic it seemed at the beginning to the realities of how awful it really was.
1: I, I like that, too. Oh, yeah,
3: I you know, I had forgotten that, but I think, you know, as a, a counterpoint, I think Tom Hardy's, you know, response to her was great, too. That sort of, I, I refuse to believe this kind of machismo. Like, of course you have always loved me. Of course what you're saying is a lie. I thought that was just great. I, great, great
2: point. Again, in broken English. Why you say, why you say, why you say. <laughs> Broken English. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Well, and it was helped by the fact that every time Raisa was getting beat up, she constantly was yelling his name. Leo, Leo, Leo. As if he didn't know that she was getting hit and wasn't going to do something about it. Anyway. <laughs> Leo, awful. Leo. Tommy, what'd you adore? <laughs>
2: um, On a much broader sort of uh part, and this actually goes to, it goes to what J.G. is saying, what Andy's saying, Pete, what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know why I singled
3: you out. You don't even but know why being, I'm talking?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, the basic idea of just that I loved the world and I was so disappointed by how the movie was handled, but they drill it into the ground and I get it. And it's the very first thing that you see in the movie. But the idea of in a Stalin esque Russia that murder doesn't exist in paradise, that we can't, we can't, um, even believe that murder happens because that's just a Western ideal. And so that there is no homicide division. There's no anything. So the idea of that and him, the difficulty of trying to um, investigate a child, many child murders, and then also the, I'm a big fan, not a big fan, I'm fascinated by fascism and that kind of, I, I know that's a weird thing to say, but I'm fascinated by how that sort of goes down from like Harry Potter books and on through the line for everywhere, and when he has to go to the house and tell them that their boy died of an accident, yeah. uh, and that the mother screams, "A tr- a train can't undress a boy uh some of that stuff was that really hit me of just all of that that frustration and that horribleness really like
3: uh gets me sort of emotionally.
2: Yeah, I don't feel uh, great y- about that answer, but it's y- an answer. No,
3: you know what? You did an admirable job with that answer and I'm glad you were able to listen to your battle angels and not just be a downer. Oh good! <laughs> right. I love fascism. Is there anything you know? I'm looking at Box Office Mojo, and uh, according to Box Office Mojo, this film made two hundred and thirty thousand dollars yesterday on five hundred and ten screens, and uh, that's not great. Oof. Nope,
0: not great at all.
3: Not not great. Uh, any other points that you you gentlemen uh, would like to bring up before we get to uh, the moment we've all been waiting for?
2: There's just no stranger danger in paradise. <laughs> all of these adorable young children are like, hey, just hanging out by the train tracks like a Russian does. What? You have a suitcase? Let's go hang out.
1: <laughs> Yikes. Stranger danger it up,
2: Russia.
3: That's
1: all. It's the orphans. Fair it's the enough. children of Stalin's Russia.
3: That's fair. Yes, that You're right. Fair. I say it's time to rank it. Dead kids.
2: Whoa. Talking about dead kids. Whoa. Flick chart.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you need to head over to flickchart.com slash TNR filmboard, And then you can see all the films that we have uh, ranked as a gang over the last uh, several years. And see uh, how these films ranked on your list.
0: Let's do it. We've got Child 44 or Divergent. Divergent. I will pick Divergent.
3: Divergent. That was, that was really dumb. <laughs> I mean, really, Divergent was really dumb. I mean, I'm going to yeah, give it, it to you. Eight. I'm going to give it to you. I'm obviously overruled, but I just want to, for the record, Divergent was so dumb.
0: <laughs> and that, that says everything about divergent. Child 44.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: Child 44 or Insurgent.
1: Child 44.
2: I will go with Insurgent. Oh, wait. Which was the first one?
1: Divergent. divergent. Divergent.
2: Oh, see, I didn't see insurgent, but I'm still going to vote insurgent.
3: <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote child 44. So, uh,
2: Whoa, then maybe I'll abstain. Does that make it more yeah. fun? Then
3: it becomes I child think...
2: 44.
0: Yeah, then it's child oh. 44. All right, child 44. Child 44 or, or 42. <laughs> 44 <laughs> or 42?
3: 44.
2: I would pick 42.
0: I'm
3: going to go with 42 on this one.
2: I'm going to go right in the middle of 40. No, I never saw 42. I was absent for that podcast, so I have to abstain.
3: Hmm.
0: Child 44 or Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit? Jack Jack. Ryan. I'm (laughs) going to go Jack Ryan
3: Shadow Recruit. Jack Ryan Ryan Shadow Recruit. Jack Ryan Shadow Monster. (laughs) (laughs) Because speaking of of, uh, Russian accents. Yes, there
0: you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we needed some good old Kenneth Branagh in here to really really juice it up a little bit. (laughs) Oh, well. Child forty four or the Wolverine.
1: Child forty four.
0: I <laughs> will do, do the Wolverine.
1: Have
2: we ever talked about those two good scenes in the Wolverine? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I feel like those get brought up every single podcast.
1: I just uh, watched it. I just watched it two nights ago, and I think there's more than more than two. But nope, for me, it's the just reason the wh- bullet
2: train and the train arrows. <laughs> <laughs> That's I it. the arrows too. The whole, yeah. the whole movie can be boiled down to three minutes of film
1: time. What about the bear and the in the, in the bar after the bear?
2: Don't oh, yeah, start like about the bar
1: bear. and the bear. Come on. Oh. No, my point is the reason why I say Child Forty Four is because I think story trumps technical, and I like the story of Child Forty Four more. But I, I totally hear what you're saying. Fair enough.
3: Wait. So I don't know where we've landed. Who's where?
1: I'm Wolverine. Wolverine.
3: And then JJ, you're Child Forty Four. Child Forty Four. Mm. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to go Wolverine on this one. That's because you don't know how Rochambeau works. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If it's a tie, you're going to say water or a be- or either water or a bench, and no one's going to know what you're talking about. Oh. oh, the rage. Too
0: funny, too funny. Tell me we're finished. All right, well, that puts it at number 25, smack dab between the Wolverine and Insurgent. Damn. 25 out of oh.
2: 33. JJ, are you okay Wait. with that?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, on my personal flick chart, which I just did after I saw Chapter 44, it's actually just one step over the Wolverine. So it's actually right next to it. So oh, it's right very that. similar there to what go. we just said. Nice. Uh,
3: I have not done my personal flick chart on it. Andy, where did it end up for you? Have you done it yet? I
0: haven't done it yet. All
3: right. Tommy, do you know what flick chart is? <laughs> What's a computer? <laughs> I'm going I'm to look it up on Bing. All right. <laughs> uh, this, was, uh, this was a good show. Where do we go from here? Have We, uh, we have decided, right? We have decided. What's we're, coming up uh, next month, Andrew? We're coming back in just a couple of weeks, actually, and
0: we're going to enjoy a little bit of Marvel action with the big one, Avengers Age of
3: Ultron. Mm. Wow!
1: How could we not? Oh, yeah. That's right. Love
3: it. Love it. Can't wait to see it. Very excited. Uh, I, I think that's it. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, Tommy Hanson, thank you for being here, as always always a pleasure thank
2: you
1: for having me
3: and JJ second show down you still feel good you still feel strong
1: I love you so much
3: oh, I love having you here and uh, Andy as always it's a treat it's a real cupcake
0: yes it is cupcake and uh, a cupcake and a cherry on top and uh, thank Aww. you
3: everybody for joining us for downloading the show for listening for subscribing which you should totally do for free iTunes don't forget and uh, check us out thenextreel.com slash filmboard love to see you around thanks everybody
2: Dang, 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 woo, woo! Now that we're off the podcast, I can actually prove a train can undress a boy. But don't <laughs> ask me how I know that. I'm a real, I'm a real MythBuster,
3: <laughs> Andy. According to my friend Internet, this is what Letterboxd is.